The following audio is from Life Centre Church. For more information, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. Well, we are looking at our vision for this year as a church family. Um, we start every year um, with either we go through the Psalms or we do encounters with Jesus. And then we do a day where we kind of just go, hey, what is God uniquely calling us as a church family to? And so today I want to sort of unpack some, some general stuff. We're going to be, though, in a passage uh, in Jeremiah 29. Some of you will know this particular passage, and I'd love for you to turn there. If you have your Bibles, turn there, or if you're using your phones, turn there. Uh, I think this particular passage is really, really helpful uh, for a number of reasons. It has some good contextual stuff, I think, for us in terms of where we are uh, as a culture and as a people. Um, and so I'd love for you to consider... Uh, just looking at that and getting an idea of um, what, what is going on in Jeremiah that might overlap for, for us uh, today. And so I'm going to read this particular passage. We're going to go from Jeremiah uh, 29, verse 4. And then I'm going to come back and just look at a little bit of our, our particular church stuff, unique to us. Um, and then I want to dig in specifically as to what I feel the Lord is calling us to, not just this year, but maybe in the fourth coming years. So verse 4 says this, it says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I've sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you. I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. If you've been around in church for a while, you kind of know this verse. It's a common one. It says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me. And find me. And when you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Now I'm going to come back to um, why I think that this is important. But there's this sense in which, just a bit of background, th these people had been given a promise right back in the beginning of the Bible to Abram, who becomes Abraham, that God would give them a place, a land. It becomes known as the promised land and that they would become a people in that land. In fact, we are going to be going through uh, the book of Exodus starting next week. We've got some journals done up for you that you can go and actually grab down the back uh, they're going to be there. They're free for you. You can take them. We'd love you to be taking notes throughout. But in the story of Exodus, um, it's, it's their journey towards this land. 
when you get to Jeremiah, they've been in the land and now they are being taken out of the land. And the question always remains throughout the story of the Bible is how do God's people live in the land and outside of the land? When they are in the place that God has called them and promised them, and when they are in a place and they are exiles. And if you read the New Testament, we are constantly called exiles throughout the New Testament. The people of God are referred to as being exiles. And so when we look at this particular passage, what we're seeing is that this is really a reflection of where we are and who we are as God's people. You and I, I know this is a little bit of an old reference, but we're not in Kansas anymore. Okay, some of you don't know what I mean by that, and that's cool. You will maybe one day when you realize that there are some cool old movies and you can kind of get your little shoes and tap them together and whatever, but uh, we're not in Kansas anymore. What I mean by that is, as you will see, as you are experiencing, we're not in a place, we're not in a culture, we don't live in a city in which we are the majority, where we are necessarily our worldview and our beliefs are valued the same as ours, we are living in another world. We are, quote-unquote, living in Babylon. We live in a culture that has different values, different ideals, different customs. And the question that we have to ask is, how do we live in this world as exiles, but as God's people? So as a church, we started in 2016. When you hear Dan say she's been leading a life group for 12 years and then you hear that we started in 2016, you get confused. Uh, that's because we essentially planted out of another church that was kind of shutting down. So our church basically went from Launton, where we had been for a number of years, and we took a small group of about 30 of us and we started again. Brand new, starting with a fresh vision, a fresh idea, a fresh goal of who we wanted to be. And in 2016, we came uh, to North Lakes. And so actually it's our sixth year of being a church, Life Centre Church, in North Lakes this year, which is pretty exciting. But what that means is we're still very young. We're a young church. Uh, I, I often, often find the, the, the example of using like a, a person as being a good illustration of what the church is like. So for example, we're no longer baby. We're no longer a baby as a church. When you're a baby, all you care about is continuation. Eat the next meal, stay alive, and survive. Okay, that's not us. We, we've, we know who we are. We've kind of been there. We're also not in that teenager year where you're kind of you're, you're dreaming of who you might be and what you can be. Um, I think a good way to think of us is like we're a young family. We've, we've given birth to one child, which we planted in 2019 up the Sunshine Coast, but we're still young as a family. We're still new to this thing. We're still, we're still kind of like we've dreamt of who we might be, but now we're actually starting to ask the question, how are we going and actually actualizing that dream? How are we going with some of the things that we've said we want to be? Like, where are we now? And we start to actually evaluate. You don't do that for a while. When you're a teenager, some of the teenagers in our church, they are not evaluating their life. They're just looking to where they think they want to go. But at some point, you get to a certain age where you start actually going, how, 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 are, we, how are we doing? How's our marriage? Or how's our family? How's our occupation and our career? Do we want to stay here? Do we, do we like this? I kind of think that's where we are as a church, is we are starting to say, hey, we had a dream of who we'd be. 
In fact, it'll come up on the screen. This is some of the, uh, the, the cultural sort of values that we have as a church family. This is kind of what we said from the beginning that we wanted to be. Okay, these are our five big, what we call identities and rhythms. And we said we want to be a family that gathers. That's why we do Sunday mornings. Sunday says it's the, it's the gathering of God's people on the Lord's day. And we want to gather as families in the home. We want to eat together, care for one another and share our lives together. We also said that we want to be servants that give. That is that we see ourselves as those who would be servants to the king and we'd say to the king, what are you calling us to? How can we, how can we use everything you've put in our hands for your kingdom and your glory? And so that's why we ask you guys to serve. We say, hey, come participate in the life of this church family. If you're a drummer and you've got drumming skills, come and drum. If you've got singing skills, come and sing. If you've got tech skills, come and tech. If you are good at just smiling and saying hello, we need you. Just saying, uh, I'm an extrovert. We have had, ever since we planned this church, about 70 to 40. 80% introvert versus 20% extrovert. I'm like, where are my people? Where are the smilers and the happies and the, hey, welcome you? Whereas a whole lot of us were like, oh, there's a person. Ha, <laughs> you know? Um, and so if you're a smiley and you're a welcomer, like we need you to come and welcome. If you love kids. This morning, my daughter asked if Life Kids was on. And I said, yes. She went, oh. And then she said, who's on? And I told her that Andy was on. And she said, yeah, I'm coming to church. She loves Life Kids. She loves our leaders because there's something out there that is doing something for them. If that is you, if you have a heart for kids, come and surf. Come and be a part of the family. We wanted to be worshippers that would glory God. That we'd see all of our life, not just Sundays, not just the, the ritual thing we do once a week between 9.30 and 11 o'clock, Today or probably 12 o'clock, depending on how long I talk. Um, we wanted our whole lives to be something that we're saying, hey, no, 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 we're always reflecting the goodness and grace of God in everything we do. So whether it's here or whether it's on Monday at work or Monday at uni, we want to be worshippers. And today I want to particularly look at two that I feel like God is really speaking to us about, and that is that we would grow deep, deep as disciples and followers of Jesus and that we'd be people that would go wide as missionaries. This is particularly that I think that God is calling us to over the next couple of years, that we would become deeper disciples of Jesus and we would go wider as missionaries. That is to say that we want to be a people that reach the lost and grow the found. We don't want to pit those two things against each other as if they don't go together. We want to say, no, both of these are important to us. We want a people that know God and grow in their relationship with God. And we want to be a people that would go and reach the lost for him. So why Jeremiah 29? Well, as I said, they're, they're exiles. They're a good example. They're a good model, I think, for us. In ancient warfare, there were basically two major strategies to grab a bunch of people. Uh, one was subjugation. That is, you come and you enslave people. Okay, that's what we're going to see is happening in the book of Exodus. That's how the Egyptians do warfare. They grab a bunch of people and they push them down. The problem with that is when you push people down, what do they do? They keep rising up. 
That's the common response. And then another way that, that different groups would do is they would do expulsion. That is, you would go in and drive them out. You would come in by force, take their land and send them running. And the problem with that is they keep coming back. And so what the Babylonians do is they don't go and expulsion. They don't do subjugation. What they do is assimilation. That is, we're going to get the people. We're going to bring them in. Particularly, they would go, if you read the book of Daniel, they're getting all the higher up educated people. They're getting the people of influence, all the influencers, with all the followers on Instagram. They're getting all of the key players in a nation, bringing them into their world. And over time, they're going to drip feed them their culture, their education, their values and their systems. And all of a sudden, what you have is the key influential people of a nation become Babylonian. And then when they bring in the rest, they're just going to follow suit. And so what happens in uh, the Babylonian way of doing things, and you see this particularly in the book of Daniel, is they're just trying to get you to take on their culture, take on their customs. They're not going to hurt you. They're going to love you. They're going to bless you, give you freedoms. But in 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, you will no longer be Israeli, Israelites, Jews, Yahweh's people. You'll be Babylonians. That's the thing. This is a great reflection, a great indicator of where we are as a church family. We live in Australia. We live in 2022. And our culture is trying to assimilate us into their worldview. Slowly and over time, the church is becoming just like the culture. And I believe that we need to respond and live as distinct people in this world. Amen? So let me take you to, again, Jeremiah 29. Here's what I see. I see that there are two really important things that Jeremiah has said to them. One, he is saying, grow deeper. As you go into exile, as you go into this world, which is going to try and assimilate you, don't forget who to listen to. So if you notice, it says multiple times that the Lord has spoken. So verse 4, thus says the Lord. Yahweh of hosts. He tells them what to do. He says uh, in uh, verse 8, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Verse 10, For thus says the Lord. And over and over again at the end he says, uh, you, will, you will seek me in verse 13 and find me. And when you seek me with all your heart, I'll be found by you. What is Jeremiah saying? Hey, listen, when you go to Brisbane 2022 and you live in that culture as exiles, who will you listen to? Who will be your God? Which voice will be the one that you follow? Go deep. And here's the thing, if their relationship to Yahweh is not prioritized, it will be marginalized. And so God, through the prophet, is saying, hey, guys, it's, it's not going to be easy to live in that world. You need to know me. Not just as a nation. You. You need to know me. You need to walk with me. You need to listen to me. You need to follow me. You need to commune with me. You need to take that personal responsibility to say, hey, Yahweh is my God and I'm his kid. And in Babylon, I will not lose him. He will be found by me. 
One thing that I think is helpful to think through is there's a distinction in the Bible from our union with Christ and our communion with Christ. Okay, our union with Christ cannot be lost. If you're here and you're a Christian and you have repented of your sin and put your faith in Jesus, you are now God's child forever. He holds you in the palm of his hands. He will never let you go. You cannot lose your union to Christ because it is not based on you. It is based on what Christ has done for you. Okay? He will keep that for you. So, for example, my wife and I are married this year, 20 years. It's going to be great. COVID, no COVID. I don't care. Whatever's happening, man, I'm doing something. Right? It's going to be great. We're going to do something. 20 years is a good thing. So we're going to go somewhere do something. Right? It's 20 years. There is a sense in which I'm either married or I'm not married. There's not degrees of being married to Carly. Okay? Either I'm married or I'm not married. I'm married. But there is a difference between my union, that sort of legal, objective reality that we are husband and wife and our communion. But how are we as a husband and wife? Are we close? Do we still enjoy each other? Do we enjoy each other's company? Do we joke and laugh? Dan talk about laughing. It's such an important part. And it's the same with, with God, right? It's the sense in which we can have this union with God. But do we have communion with Him? This is this objective, closeness, friendship. You know Yahweh. You know him and you sense and feel close with your God. Church, as our culture keeps shifting and it's going to keep shifting because we're not in Kansas anymore. Statistics are telling us that in churches over the size of 300, some churches have had up to 40% of people leave church during the pandemic. 40% walk away. Why? COVID's been hard, right? COVID's messy. It's, it's been frustrating. Things are constantly shifting. Where are we with God? Where are we with the Lord? Because I can tell you right now, I'm not perfect, but I cannot walk away from God's church. I can't do it. God has saved me. God has rescued me. God has died on a cross for me and he has given you to me as my family. How can we walk away from it? The only reason that I can give, and there will be lots of sort of fruit reasons, but I think on the ground, deep down, I would say, I think it's because we don't really have a personal genuine, daily, walking, communing with the Lord. And so the enemy can get in there and can take us and sift us out. And he is doing it all over the place. And I want to encourage you, church, God is telling us, God is calling us to be disciples of him. Not church attenders. Followers. Listeners. Prayers. Worshippers who even through the hard times go, but I cannot leave my God. Can't do it. I can't walk away from him. Yes, this has sucked. Yes, this answer to prayer hasn't come through. Yes, it's been going through all this sort of stuff. And I'm seeing all these leaders do this, but I can't leave my faith. Why? Because I know the God of the Bible and he is mine and I am his.
And I just want to encourage you and even challenge you. Walk with Jesus. I beg of you. Open this book and read it. It is powerful. As we go through the story of Exodus, it is going to speak to you in a way that I can't speak to you. God can, though. God can show you his kindness and his compassion and his mercy and his grace and his power and his authority and all of the things that we know about God. He can, he can through the story of the people thousands of years ago, he can speak to you and enjoy him. As we've been doing 21 days of prayer and fasting, something that I've been doing is I've been reading through this, this book here. Uh, it's called Piercing Heaven, Prayer of the Puritans. Um, I read this book often. Does anyone here sometimes not, not know what to pray? Sometimes you're sitting here, you're like, I don't know what to say. Um, sometimes you can just do what my kids do and just pray anything, and that's fine. God's actually kind of cool with that. We don't have to have all these special words and all these special prayers. Uh, that's, that's great. I love my kids' prayers. They're just so simple, so real. Um, sometimes what I do is I do that. Other times I read the prayers of somebody else. And in a way, I, as I'm reading them, I try to pray them. I want to read you this prayer by Robert Hawker. It's called In the Beauty of Jesus. This will also come up on the screen. So you can either just listen to it or you can read along. But listen to the way that this man wrote hundreds of years ago. He says this, he says, In your beauty, blessed Lord, we see the fullness of grace truth and righteousness it corresponds exactly to the wants of poor sinners your blood to cleanse your grace to comfort your fullness to supply in you there is everything we can want life light joy pardon mercy peace happiness here and glory hereafter do i not see you my king in your beauty when I behold your coming with all of these for me. So I must cry out with the psalmist, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he is become my salvation. And that is not all, because when I see the king in his beauty, I see him also in his love. Yes, blessed Lord, you are so beautiful, for you have, lo uh, for you have so loved poor sinners that you give yourself for them. And we know that our love for you did not come first, but your love to us came first. Your love prompted ours. Your, your love filled our hearts and by your spirit first prompted our minds to look towards you. That makes you lovely indeed. And now, Lord, every day's view of you increases that love and brings home your beauty more and more. The more often you stoop to visit my poor soul, the more beautiful you appear. Every appearance, every view, every glimpse of Jesus tends to make my God and my King more gracious and lovely to my soul and adds fresh fervor to my love. Come then, you blessed, holy, lovely one, and ravage my spiritual senses with your beauty that my whole soul would be filled only with the love of Jesus every day. Until that day when from seeing you here below, through your grace, I come to look upon you and live forever in your presence, in the full beams of your glory, in your throne above. Amen. There, there are prayers like that that I can't pray. 
but as I read them and I join with the saints of the past, tell you what, I, I read that and I just put my head down and I just said to God, God, would you help me to love you and want you like that? Church, I want to call you to a journey of deep discipleship where you personally walk with, know with, trust, love, enjoy, experience God. And there are too many of us who do not do that. We do not experience that. And I want to call all of us as a church family that we would become deep disciples that grow. And we would take personal, individual responsibility to do that. And secondly, that we would go out of that to wider Because what does God say his plan for them is in exile? He says in verse 5 that they would build houses and live in them. That they would plant gardens and eat their produce. They would take wives and have sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. In other words, he's saying, listen, I'm not taking you out of the culture. I'm not going to free you from this world and extract you. Sometimes, I don't know if you've prayed this, I'm like, Lord, hurry, hurry the heck up and get me out of (laughs) here. I'm over COVID and kids being at home. Take me now, Lord. (laughs) Oh, there's a few parents who are like secretly going, "Uh uh-huh, we're just too scared to put up your hands. That's fine. Tomorrow, though, the Lord will come to me and I shall send them back to school. I will worship him in all of his beauty. Verse 7, but seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For In its welfare, you will find your welfare. See, in our culture, where we're struggling is we don't know whether to reject the culture or to receive the culture. And the Bible says, don't do either. Seek to redeem the culture. Live in the world in such a way to be distinct people that bring God's goodness, God's grace, God's gospel into that space. And again, we're seeing 40% of some, some churches leave but we're seeing so many people come to faith. So many people are coming back to church. So many people are exploring faith again because they realize that what they've built their life on is sand and it is not lasting. And so we need to be a church that is going down deep in discipleship, but is going wide as we go and seek to be missionaries. This is how Jeremiah puts it. In the New Testament, maybe Matthew 5 is a better reflection. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. If you read the book of Daniel... Daniel is in exile in Babylon. What you see is the culture doesn't know what to do with him because he is good and they see goodness in him and then they see that he won't stop praying to his God. He won't bow down and they they struggle with that and I think this is where we should be as a church. Our culture needs to not be able to know what to do with us. Why? Because we are gracious people. We are kind people. We are merciful people. We are compassionate people. We are people that open up our doors and invite people into our space to eat with us so that we may know them and walk with them and journey with them. Yet we do not give up our convictions. Yet we do not, we do not receive the culture and change what we believe. We keep pointing back to this Jesus who is good. 
And so we are solid because we have deep discipleship and we are secure to go wide and say, hey, come into my home. Sit at my table. Let me feed you. I don't have all the answers around these you know, political things, but here's what I do know. I'll love you. And you see this over and over and over again, that the church would do good works, good deeds, and people around them will come and give glory to God because they're like, we don't know what to do with you. Because you have this sexual ethic, yet you are so kind to those who do not hold it. You have this view of abortion, yet you are so gracious and merciful and kind to those who do not. You don't divide as a church over COVID policies and whether we wear masks or don't wear masks. There are people who have different views in the church, yet we stay one. How do you do that? Because our, church, our world is tribalizing and the church is saying, no, but we will not. And the world can't deal with that. They don't know how to deal with that. It's like, oh, you got this and you got left and right. And you got, yeah, uh, all there. And yet we have Christ at the top and he is our king and we are following his rule. And therefore, we will not make our political views our identity. Christ is our identity. And we, we sift to, to be like, oh, well, we can't land here and we can't land there. And, we, and you're all together? Yes, we are. Why? Because we love Jesus. That's why. Come and be a part of Jesus' family because this is where it's great to play. Church, I believe God is calling us specifically over the next couple of years to go really deep in our discipleship. So if you're here and you're a Christian, I want to encourage you, get into Exodus as it comes up, get into your Bibles, read, pray, worship again. I don't know where you are. I don't know what COVID has done to you. I don't know what the start of this year has done to you. Maybe you're deflated. Maybe you're just over things. Maybe you're anxious. Turn to Jesus again. Sing to him anew. See his goodness and his grace in you today and enjoy him afresh. And as you do that, seek out those around you who do not yet know Jesus and find ways to bless them, to love them, to eat with them, to care for them, to pray for them and to be a light unto them. Amen? Amen. As the band come up, I'm going to pray. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Life Centre Church located in North Lakes. We exist to make, mature and multiply disciples in communities that depend upon, declare and display the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of life. If you would like more information about us, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. We provide our podcasts free of charge. Please feel free to download the content and share it with others. But please do not edit or alter the content in any way without the written permission from the leadership of LCC. 